For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm really really excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Carlos Gill, and we're going to talk about Snapchat, why it's not just for millennials, and how you can actually create a content strategy that makes sense for your business. I really think you're going to enjoy this. I'm very bullish on Snapchat, so have a listen for sure. Also, if you've got any questions or you've got any thoughts about this show, you can always reach me via email at podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And with that, let's transition over to this week's discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher. Eric, what'd you discover? I found a tool that (laughs) you may not suspect. It, It has to do with breathing technique and getting focused and not being stressed We've all been there, you know, where we're, we've got a list of stuff that we're working on as marketers, and we've got to take a step back because we get lost in the to-do list. I'll be honest. I'm stressed right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly why I picked this app, to be honest. Yeah. So what? Um, so tell us what first, what's it called and what does it do? It is called Here and Now. And usually that means H-E-R-E, like I'm right here. Mm-hmm. But what it actually means is listening, H-E-A-R. Okay. Here and now. And what it does, it's a free app, and what it does is it basically coaches you through sitting down, gives you a couple guided directions to stare at the screen of your phone and breathe, and it measures your heart rate and gets you to take a minute and How pause. in the world does it measure your heart rate? In an interesting way that I didn't believe was possible until now. What it does is it, it actually measures your pulse through your finger that you touch on the camera of the back of your iPhone. What? I know, right? That's crazy. And it worked. I did it. I tried it out. And uh, Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Hold on a second. So let me back up because I went off on that little <laughs> rabbit trail. Okay, so so you're saying you look at the screen and it tells you to breathe or something like that. And then mm-hmm. what, what does it do next? What it does is it, it has audio and visual cues. 
So you'll see at kind of an inhaling, you'll see a circle uh, getting smaller or, or sorry, larger because you're inhaling, you're, you're bringing in air and, that, and it'll say inhale. So you'll just keep doing that till it set, till it then switches to exhale and then it does it slowly. Okay. So, and then there's there's heartbeat uh, noises and. So you put your headsets on, you stare mm-hmm. at this thing, and how long do you do it for? Honestly, I did it for. There, there's different variations of uh, time that you can set it for. I did. I just did the the initial one and then one more, and it was seriously only a minute, two minutes. Did you feel different? I did. <laughs> I felt instantly. And it asks you before and after to rate yourself, like on a sliding scale. You put your huh. finger down and you slide it left or right from uh, very stressed to not stressed at all. And I moved it a little bit to the left because, like, you know, I don't feel bad, but I probably feel a little stressed. And I did it. And then when I was done, honestly, I felt, okay, I've regained. My brain doesn't feel like mush anymore right now staring at the screen. Huh. I'm going to slide it to the right. I'm less stressed. Well, and I guess whether you believe in quote unquote meditation or not, I think right. there's something to calming your mind, breathing, um, getting your brain off of whatever is running a hundred miles an hour in there. And I guess that process of it monitoring your, uh, your blood pressure, your breathing and stuff like that. in a couple minutes you can reset yourself. I mean, that sounds really cool. Yeah. From and, a purely physio- physiological standpoint, it worked for me. That's awesome. All right. Well, give us the name of it again and where we can find it. Okay. It's called Here and Now, and that's hereandnow.biobeats.com. And it's H-E-A-R. Yes. At Biobeats? Biobeats. How do you spell bio? B-I-O-B-E-A-T-S. Cool. And is it just an iPhone thing? Yeah, it's, it's just for the iPhone. Gotcha. All right. Well... I'm taking a deep breath. (laughs) (laughs) You need to go download this. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Eric, so much for bringing us that tip this week. You're welcome. Thanks. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. I'm joined this week by Lisa Jenkins on our editorial team and for the last couple of weeks, we've been bringing you a little behind the scenes of how we do what we do. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. It's nice to be here. So um, what we're going to talk about today is how we work with people to put together what we call link bait pieces. And uh, whenever we have an event coming up, we've done this for our online summit and we're doing it again for social media marketing world. What we try to do is we try to solicit or tap the brains of some of the experts that are going to be presenting at the conference. And then we take all of their tips or tools in this particular case, and we combine them into a big post that we call a link bait. Let's start. Why do we call this a link bait, Lisa? We call it a link bait because uh, it has several pieces of information in it that will pull people in. Um, the other thing that it does is it provides links back to our experts. So if people are wanting to learn more about the people that are presenting at Social Media Marketing World, they can come to one of these articles, read a little bit about what they would recommend, and then we provide a link to their Twitter profile, their website. We provide a small bio. Exactly. And you know we track everything that we do at Social Media Examiner, and these link bait pieces that we do that are designed to solicit information from the brains of experts, really, 
they don't move tickets for our conference. Instead, they're really meant to be a gift that we give to the speakers that choose to participate. And also it gives our audience an opportunity to get to know them. One of the things we do all the time at Social Media Examiner is we try to introduce the various experts through our podcast and through our blog so that the audience begins to know who they are and might want to come and meet them. So it's it's not a direct sale. It kind of influences the sales process. So Lisa, real quickly, how do you go about getting what you need from these various experts? Uh, you know, it really kind of depends on the focus of the article that we are publishing. So and, sometimes yeah, you're working on one coming up here, right? I am. I'm working on a tools um, post that is going to give everybody tools that are recommended by the experts. Um, what we do is I pen a nice email to each presenter, and I very clearly outline what we're doing, what we want, and give them a deadline. So I will again, remind them of who I am because these are very busy people. I will explain to them that I am looking for a tool or a hack or a tip that they have found useful in the last six months because the one thing we want to be sure that we're doing is that we're providing timely content. So I ask them for something, you know, a little bit new, maybe something that a lot of people haven't heard of. Um, I give them a word count. So I'm usually asking for three to 500 words. I ask them for screenshots if they're applicable and then I give them a deadline. And, uh, and then you send the email and is that it? Or is there some follow-up that's necessary with these folks? Rarely do I need to follow up. These are incredibly busy people, but they are very kind to share their brains and their time with us. And, you know, I will get turnarounds in 24 hours. Sometimes I get them the day before the deadline, but I have not had anyone come in after the deadline and say, oh, can I get in? They're they're very good and very responsive. So let's say for every 10 people, how many respond? Because I know not everybody does, right? What are we talking like 50%, 70%? Uh, You know, I think because Social Media Examiner has formed such deep relationships with people throughout the industry, even though our presenter base changes from year to year, um, we get, I would say, 90% response rate. And and even the 10% that I don't get a tip from, most often will email back and say, you know, I, I just don't have the bandwidth right now. And do you find that people actually appreciate being part of this process, the presenters? I think that they do. Um, You know, it it provides some extra visibility for them. It allows them to pass a bit of knowledge on to the people who follow them elsewhere. And so it's it's like you mentioned, it's kind of like a giving back thing. Um, You know, they're they're not asking for anything in return. They're just saying, "Here's some good stuff I have. Take it." And we're not going to lie. This is a this is a real big benefit for Social Media Examiner, obviously, because these articles often get shared far and wide. Um, even if not all of the people that participated, the tips do share, it seems like people like to eat this stuff up like candy. So first of all, Lisa, thank you for sharing that insight with us. And if you're interested in finding out more about what these articles look like, um, be sure to check out socialmediaexaminer.com. And also, if you're thinking about wanting to write for Social Media Examiner, you'll also find Lisa Jenkins, our managing editor there, and she'd be more than willing to talk to you. And with that, let's transition over to today's awesome interview with Carlos Gill. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I'm very excited to be joined today by Carlos Gill. If you don't know who Carlos is, he's the head of social media marketing at BMC Software, and he also co-hosts 
the Social 545 podcast. But the main reason we've got him on the show today is because he's a very avid Snapchat user. Carlos, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me on today. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Today, you and I are going to dig into Snapchat and and really talk about what it means to marketers and talk a little bit about content strategy and how we can benefit from it. And uh, the reason I got you on the show is because I'm a newbie, you're not. <laughs> and um, speaking of that, you know, let's start with a little bit of your story, Carlos. When did you first find out about Snapchat and how'd you get started with it? And just kind of tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually learned about Snapchat right around the end of 2013. So I've been working in social media now for about eight years between owning my own business and working for brands. And it was about Thanksgiving, I want to say, of 2013. And I was having a conversation with my sister-in-law who's in high school. And we were just talking about social media. And she said, why are you on Facebook? And I looked at her and I was like, well, what do you mean why am I on Facebook? Are you not on Facebook? And she's like, no. All the kids went to Snapchat. They're not on Facebook anymore. And at the time, I was working in retail marketing for a supermarket chain called Winn-Dixie where I led social media for them. And I was really intrigued by a teenager at the time telling me that Facebook was essentially for older people. Mm. So I chuckled, but then I thought about, you know, I need to get on Snapchat because as a marketer, it's my job, right, to stay up to date with the trends and to know where millennials who are soon to be adults, what social networks they're using. So I joined Snapchat right around the end of 2013. I spent most of 2014 just getting to know the platform and not really having many friends on there, but at least going on, creating content. And last year was really where everything came together and Snapchat became, over the course of using it for a solid 12 months, really became my go-to for where I network socially. So in the beginning, uh, a younger person tells you, and um, uh, were you a millennial back then? Are you considered a millennial yourself or no? Yeah, I, I am probably, I'm 32 years old. Okay, so you're on the upper I'm, cusp of it or whatever. The older side yep. of the millennials. So a younger millennial said to an older millennial, <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> on Facebook still? So uh, in the beginning, did you just dabble with it and say, I don't get it, and then come back to it hardcore? Or, or how was that? Were you active on it literally since day one? No, yeah, I wasn't active uh, on it right at the, you know, from the jump. The user interface has not changed much from 2013 to where we're at today in 2016. So like most folks that joined Snapchat for the first time, I wasn't sure how to navigate it, how to create a snap, how to send it out. Most importantly, where I got caught up was it wasn't apparent to me, how can I connect with other people that I follow on Twitter or that I'm friends with on Facebook? How can I find them on Snapchat? Well, you know, it's funny. I um, I have a nephew who... Um uh, is in college, you know, he's probably 20 now, but I think he was 19 or 18. And I said, what's this Snapchat thing? And he explained it to me. He didn't really like it that much. I tried it. And this is back when everybody was talking about Snapchat was used for sexting and stuff like that. And I just deleted it because I didn't trust it, you know, because there was a lot of bad press about it. But I'll be honest, things have changed since then. So you said in 2015 is when everything connected for you. So talk about what happened then. You know, so I started seeing more of my friends within the social media marketing community starting to use Snapchat. And to your point, you're right. Snapchat had this reputation. I know when I, when I told my wife that I was using Snapchat, 
her eyebrow went up. Yeah. She was she had the same concern. She's like, I heard that was a sexting app. What are you doing on there? Right. And I think that was just kind of the stereotype that it was that was built early on for the platform. And once I started seeing more of my friends from the social media marketing community actually actively using it, and I saw that this was a tool where I could essentially send someone a direct message and drop in a video or I could go on and I can share photos with people throughout my day, but it disappears. For me, that was where I started to look at the platform as having more value. But, but I tell you what, what really sold me on Snapchat over utilizing Twitter and Facebook and Instagram is the engagement. And I think that's something that we should, you know, we should definitely not ignore that the way that Snapchat's technology works is it essentially forces your audience to come back and watch your content within a 24-hour period because if they don't see it, it goes away. So if I follow you, Mike, which I do, and I want to know what you're up to, if I don't visit your Snapchat at least once a day, I will miss out on what could be some pretty good content. By the time this podcast publishes, it will have been almost exactly a year uh, back in February 2015, I had Gary Vaynerchuk and Sean McBride, um, who's known as Sean Duras on Snapchat. He's one of the Snapchat celebrities on. And I didn't get it. And I was totally clueless back then. And um, here we are a year later. And I think for everyone that's listening, I believe with Carlos, I believe that what Carlos believes, which I do believe that Snapchat is. I'm seeing all the trends that Snapchat is where Pinterest was at this point, that it's about to pop, it's about to explode. And um, what I what I want to talk about before we get into a little more details is, you know, why should why should us like I'm 47, so I'm I'm definitely one of the older guys, you know, and I know there's guys a lot older than me on Snapchat. Um, but why should marketers or anyone listening right now, entrepreneurs, be on Snapchat? You know, tell us, I mean, you, I know you got some stats and stuff. Let's hear a little bit about it. it you know, it's so in, in terms of, of the why, Snapchat reminds me a lot of where we were with Facebook just even five years ago. I remember having this conversation with my mom and dad in which they were asking me back then, why should they get on Facebook? And my answer to them was, well, if you want to keep in touch with me, if you want to see photos I'm putting out of your grandkids, I'm doing it there, which I'm having very similar conversations. My mom not going to say her age on the show, but my mom just got on Snapchat. That's and cool. it was a very similar conversation I was having with her around the holidays of this is where I'm putting out content. This is where a lot of people in her network, if she just were to sign up for an account and link it up with her directory and her iPhone, I'm sure she has friends that are on Snapchat, family that's on Snapchat. But to go beyond that, Snapchat's used by over 200 million active users on a monthly basis. It's a network that's continuing to grow and its audience is continuing to mature. So let's think about this. Initially, it was a platform that was primarily utilized by younger millennials, by teens. Those teens have since grown up. They're in college. They've graduated college. So I'll say this, and Snapchat's very transparent when it comes to their demographics. You can go on their website, and it's on there. 77% of their user base is above the age of 18 years old. Cool. But, you know, I think what's even more intriguing is the way that people consume content. I heard a statistic. The statistic that got me and will get anybody who hears this as soon as I share this is the the consumption level. Snapchat p- 
people watch six billion Snapchat videos a day, I heard. Is that true? Yeah, it's it's true. Six billion video views a day. Now, wait a minute. Think about that. Six billion video views a day, people. Like when I heard that, I'm like, okay, all right, hold on a second. Stop the press, right? I don't. I didn't know how many people that was. Now I know it's 200 million people. But 200 million people divided by six billion. That means that people are consuming multiple content pieces on there every single day, and since I've been using it, and, and we should explain to everyone that the videos are only 10 seconds long at the most, right, Carlos? Yeah, correct. 10 seconds. So we're talking 10 second videos. We're talking little kind of bite-sized pieces of content. But why is it that they're, I guess, let's get into the why. Why are they consuming so much content on there, Carlos? You know, I think it's the interface and everything's contained within a mobile app. So the way I would easily compare Snapchat to someone is it takes what you love about Twitter, which is the micro content aspect, and it takes what you love about YouTube, which is pressing a play button to just sit back and watch content. It combines both of those into an app where you can go in, you can find Mike Stelzner or any one of your friends, and you can just press a button and see what they did in the last day. And most people's Snapchat stories typically are about five to six snaps, which is a minute. And I can just say, speaking for myself, I learned more about my friends. In the, in the last year that I've really gone all in on Snapchat, I've learned more about my friends and my contacts and my social network than I ever have by actually being connected on Facebook. I think I might have even asked you over Snapchat if you wanted to be on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I did. And this is what's cool about Snapchat. And I'll just kind of help, I mean, especially those of us that are a little bit older like myself, um, Snapchat is kind of like where Twitter was in the beginning, okay? So you've got this huge variance of users. You've got people that are taking random pictures of their cat, the food that they're eating, and all these kinds of things. And then you have people on there that are actually using Snapchat to create amazing stories. And um, we're going to get into all that a little bit later. But you can use Snapchat to convey in a really powerful way some cool messages. They make it very easy for you to reply with a video or a picture or text. And um, I think because Snapchat is so built into the operating system, it really, at least on my iPhone, and I'm sure it's the same on the Android, it's, it's, it's hooks into the operating system are very strong. So uh, in the beginning, you're getting the equivalent of text messages from Snapchat drawing you in, and then you can turn those off. And then it's, you know, where I have it right now, I just have the little number notification that pops up on my Snapchat app. So I know there's a couple things in there waiting for me. But it does have this amazing way of sucking you in. And um, the other thing that we ought to talk about is the disposability side of it. Talk about that a little bit, Carlos. The limited amount of time that this content is available. Yeah, you know, the content's available. Um, if you publish content to your story, it is available for 24 hours. So again, it forces your network to come back and watch your content. Because once it's gone, it's gone. But also when you send content to your friends. So Mike and I, we message each other back and forth quite a bit. And the messaging feature works almost like a text message. A couple things that are nice about it is one, when someone actually views your content, you can see that they have viewed it. And you can also indicate how long you want that content to be seen for. So if I want to snap someone a really cool photo or I did something really funny and I want to share it directly with a friend privately, I can indicate if I want them to see that photo for three seconds, five, eight, ten, what have you. So again, 
psychologically, it's one of those social networks that I think has technology that we haven't seen yet. And it has a stickiness factor that makes you keep wanting to come back to see what's next. Yeah, it's kind of like um, everybody knows that the Facebook newsfeed, you don't see necessarily everything that's in the newsfeed. And the best way to describe this is when you log into Snapchat, you see the people that you're following. And then they have like, uh, you can click on, um, on their face and then you'll start to see the story, quote unquote, that they have put together. And um, if you get in the habit of following particular people, whether they be celebrities or your friends or whoever, uh, and you begin to like to see the content that they produced, the fact of the matter is that that content is only there for 24 hours. So in order to consume the content, you actually have to choose to want to click on that person and watch their content. There is no news feed. It's not like Facebook. So the intention is really, really strong, which I think is really cool. So Carlos, let's start with a couple basics. Like I want to get into like the kinds of content people that you produce, um, you know, with us, what do they call it? A snap? Is that what they call it when you're, <laughs> yeah, snap. okay. So when you're snapping, let's just go over the basic types of content that you can produce and, and then, and then what to do with it. Absolutely. So there's two different types of content. One is a photo and the other is a video. And Mike touched on it before. You can record up to 10 seconds. So what's neat is you can also save this content to your iPhone or your Android device. So if you take a photo and you, can, you use a filter on it, you can save that to your camera roll and you can post it on other social networks. In terms of the content that I produce and, and a lot of wait, other... Wait, 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 before we get too far, I want to I dig a little deeper here. So Absolutely. Um, on the photo... Uh, it uses the front or rear facing camera um, and the filters that uh, Carlos mentioned, just briefly talk about what these are, because some people might be thinking this is like Instagram, but it's a lot different, actually. You know, so there's actually some parallels there with Instagram. So you have a couple of very basic filters that change the contrast and color of your photo. You can do black and white, but based on the location where you're at, there are geo filters so I'm sitting in San Francisco right now, and I have filters that are exclusive for the city where I'm at. A couple of weeks ago, I was at Disneyland in SoCal. And Disneyland, as long as that you were in the, the confines of their park, they had specific geo filters just for visitors of the park. And so, they're kind of like graphics that overlay it, right? Yeah, there are graphics that overlay on your photo, and it, it's a really nice way to spruce up your content. Quite and it, yeah, and it adds a location to where you are. But you can also add, if I'm not mistaken, the time the picture was taken. I've seen temperature. Um, is that still considered filters or is that something else? Those are filters as well. And you can draw on top of your picture. You can you can physically, uh, you can type text in and then when you're done, you can tap on the text to change the font size. You can you can grab your screen and rotate the text. So there's all sorts of things you can do. And and a lot of people like that are artists like Sean McBride create take take the ability that you can draw on the screen and create amazing drawings with it. Now, I, Carlos and I don't really do that. We're going to get into how we do that stuff in just a second. So that's that's on the photo side. On the video side, it's very similar, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of all this stuff and then some, right? Yeah. On, on the video side, you have the same geo filters, but you also have things like fast forward, rewind, slow motion. So you have a couple of additional tricks in the bag, if you will, to, again, spruce up and, and make your content look a little better than just creating video content on your iPhone. Okay. And, and like Carlos said, you have 
only 10 seconds, which is an unbelievably short amount of time. It's hard to even get a full sentence done in 10 seconds. So um, let's talk a little bit about and we're getting, we're getting into the content strategy right now. Like, what the heck can you do in 10 seconds? Because I know a lot of people are like, are you kidding me? 10 seconds? What can I do with that? So let's talk about that because this is where, you know, once you understand the kinds of content you create, that you're using the front or rear-facing camera to do video or photos, and that you can do video, when you start thinking creatively about how, what you can do with this is where the fun comes in. So why don't you start by maybe talking about what you do with it, Carlos, and then maybe we'll share some examples of what other people are doing also. Yeah, absolutely. So I use Snapchat primarily for the daily story component through video. And what I do is I'll document my day where from the moment I wake up and I'm not snapping you know, every five minutes, don't get me wrong, but throughout the day, I'm sharing what's happening. What's a day in the life like? And there's some days that are a little bit more exciting than others, but it's using video to engage my social media audience out there. And for any marketer out there who is intrigued by the possibilities, I use the, the text overlay feature a lot. So I have, like Mike said at the beginning of the show, a podcast. I'm also very active on YouTube. And if I create a new video uh, on YouTube, if I have a new podcast or if I drop a new blog... I'll go ahead and share that with my Snapchat audience, but then I overlay text asking people to go visit it or I'll ask them for their feedback. So it's a way that you can simultaneously shoot out, give content, give value, but also ask in return, which I think from just a marketing standpoint, by far blows any of the other social networks out of the water. Something that's important that we might have just skimmed over uh, recently here, but I think we ought to dig in on a little bit, is the concept of a story. So when Carlos creates a video, he kind of has an option. He can send the video to multiple people or he can send it to multiple people and a story or just to the story. And the story is kind of like a bucket. And the way the stories work is they play the oldest story first. And then they cycle all the new stories on it. It's almost as if you start and stop your camera and it kind of all makes a movie together, if you will, right? Carlos, that's probably the easy way to describe it. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. So when you create these stories and it, it saves this content to your feed, you can go in at the end of the day or as long as it's within a rolling 24-hour period, you can save that directly to your phone and it will essentially loop together all of your clips into one. Which is awesome. And... um we're going to talk about some cool things you can do with that. But I think what's really unique about the stories is you can also click on the stories and it will show you exactly who has watched your stories. And then it'll show you the number of people and it will show you who has been watching your story. And that's kind of exciting. I mean, Carlos, do you look to see if certain people that you're trying to influence are watching your story? And how, what's your strategy there? Are you thinking certain people because you seem to see them appearing over and over watching your stories? You know, I, I do. And I have to say that feature in itself, it, for me, was one of the big differentiators when I was really looking at Snapchat as a platform that I should be investing my time in, whether it's as a brand marketer or just as an as a individual or a social media practitioner. The fact that I can see who has viewed my content, whereas let's face it, I can't necessarily do that on Twitter or on Facebook easily. The fact that I can see that on Snapchat for me has look, has put Snapchat several bars above those other networks. And to your point, what I do is I'll go in and I'll look at who has seen my story throughout the day and I'll send them a message, even just saying thank you, 
whether it's video or whether it's text. And that makes a big difference because if you do that over time, you build your own community. And what's great about Snapchat is is essentially exposed me to new folks that I didn't necessarily know through Twitter or I didn't know through Facebook. We've gotten to know each other a lot more over Snapchat than we have in real life, to be honest. Right? Yeah, no, that's a really good example that you bring up. We communicate often through Snapchat, and that wouldn't have been possible without actually getting on this platform, jumping in, and realizing the value is that this really puts the social back into social media. Now, we should state for all you marketers out there, um, you have to create original content if you want it in your story, right with the app. You cannot upload a video. You cannot upload a nice designed image. You have to create it within Snapchat, which means for the most part, it's a very transparent, authentic, ugly as you are, lighting, bad lighting, the whole shebang kind of thing. You know, So it's, it's a raw, authentic view into whoever is doing it, uh, which I think is kind of, kind of unique about it. And that's one of the things I like about it. Now, Carlos, where I want to go with this is you've been on Snapchat for a long time. You follow a ton more people than I do. Share some examples like how, I don't know if you're following Gary Vaynerchuk. If you're not, I can tell you what he's doing. But (laughs) share some examples of of people that are using Snapchat, whether they're known to our audience or not, that are either doing personal branding or marketing of any kind. Because I think people need to understand ways that they can use these stories in order to unlock their creative minds. Yeah, absolutely. So Gary Vaynerchuk is a great example. I I literally just spent two days at CES just living vicariously through Gary's snaps. <laughs> and uh, he he's definitely someone that kind of sets the bar for anyone out there that's looking at how to leverage Snapchat for personal branding. He really does a great job of connecting his audience on Snapchat. And I have to say, outside of Gary, there's a couple wait, people- Wait, wait, wait. Talk about actually what he does, because I think people need to understand how he's using this. So Gary's using this from a couple of different ways, right? He One is showing people a glimpse of what his life is like outside of what we see on YouTube on a daily basis, whether it's through the Gary V show or it's through his, his vlog that he just created, the Daily V. So he's taking people with him from the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to sleep. And I got to say, I've been following Gary now for a while on Snapchat, but he's been talking about it so much on social media for the last week straight that now I'm paying closer attention. So he's leveraging his, his popularity and his followers on Twitter and on Facebook, and he's getting him to follow them on Snapchat to see organic native content that you won't find anywhere else. And let's be clear. He is creating original content for Snapchat that disappears after 24 hours and is gone forever. And he has about 21 to 23,000 people that watch this stuff every day. And I think that's pretty phenomenal because if you, what you don't know about Snapchat is it takes over your whole screen, you know, like when you're in there, everything else is like gone. And all you see is that experience of Snapchat. And, um, you can kind of fast forward if you want through snaps by clicking on the screen, but it is kind of like a little immersive experience and you're like getting these little doses if you want of Gary. I think that's pretty cool. What you're about to talk about another example. I was going to say the other example is that he actually engages with his audience. So here's a guy who I've called Gary many times, the godfather of social media, has over a million followers on Twitter. He actually takes the time to engage with his fans and his community on Snapchat. So he'll ask a question. He'll encourage for his community to write to him. He writes back. And the third use case is he's using this as a means to promote his 
as Gary V shows. So a couple of times I've seen snaps where he says, I just dropped a video on YouTube. Go check it out. Well, I just promoted my podcast before we went live and I said, I'm going on with Carlos Gill to talk about, <laughs> to talk about this topic, Snapchat. So beyond Gary V, okay, who seems to be a machine and is just 24 hours a day creating content, you're like, what else are you seeing out there? Who else? To, Go ahead. I have to say, someone that stands out to me is Sean Ayala. And yeah, uh, do I know you follow Sean. Sean. I met Sean at Social Media Marketing World. Yeah. Uh, okay, talk cool. about him. Yeah. Tell us what he's doing. So Sean is an artist. And he creates some of the coolest images imaginable. And in fact, I'm a, I'm a big Simpsons fan. So for my birthday, he created a I, – I took a selfie and snapped it to him. He asked me to do this. And he sent me within five minutes that same selfie with Bart Simpson in the photo. That's amazing. He, he is just a genius. Has really cool images. He was Star- walking around social media marketing world drawing um, uh, Scout, who's the social media examiner <laughs> logo on all sorts of snaps and stuff. But you know what I love? Have you seen some of the stuff he's done where he's creating like movie stuff and like making games and experiences kind of out of it? What I saw was recently when Star Wars came out. Right. He- he uh, he drew the trailer to Star Wars or clips from the trailer, and he put it on Snapchat, which I thought was fascinating because I, you know, in full transparency, I am not an artist right. <laughs> when it comes to drawing. So to see some of the work that he does, and there's others out there that are also Snapchat artists, is just phenomenal. Well, what's kind of cool about Snapchat is when you click on the screen, it moves to the next uh, whatever in the you know whatever uh, image or video in the thing. So what he does is he creates kind of what he I've seen these things he's created that are almost like video games. Like he created some zombie apocalypse kind of thing, where where it, he made it seem like it was choose your own adventure, like click here for this or click here for that. But and then as soon as you clicked, something would happen. You know what I mean? But it's really. It created kind of a unique user experience. I've also seen him use nothing but black on the screen, you know, uh, for a few seconds to kind of create dramatic pause. I've, I've seen him use music in the background with his drawings, and it just creates this really awesome story. And I think it's super creative. Um, I'll, let me tell you how I'm using it. I've just kind of, I'll be honest, as of this recording, I'm probably, I don't know, three weeks into this, maybe a month into this. What I've started doing every day, and I got inspiration from Gary Vaynerchuk on this, is every morning I see. In the beginning, I thought I had to come up with a ten-second video, and that was it. I didn't realize you could you could sew multiple ten-second videos together. You know what I mean, and create a, a thought, which I've seen more and more now, especially with Gary. Um, so what I do is I pick a topic each day, like I did masterminds yesterday, and what right. I do is I just I just have a couple thoughts in my brain, and I record four or five or six of these things in in a row wherever I am, in my house, in the car. And um, I'm not driving, by the way, when I'm doing it. And the idea here is I'm creating these, you know, um, series of of messages where I'm doing them in 10 segment segments. And then what's cool is at the end of the day, I can see whether or not the people, the number of people that watch the first one and watch the last one match, right? Which is how I think we measure engagement a little bit with Snapchat. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's cool because you can create kind of this, you can create this idea of, uh, and I'm headed down this path of creating this daily dose of what's in Mike Stelzner's head. You know, um, I know what I'm going to record tomorrow and I, and, I, and I did something earlier today. Today I talked about what I believe about Snapchat and I said that I believe it's going to double in the next 12 months and I gave my case why in like five or six little 10 second segments. And um, the fact that, and I'm watching who's watching this, like for example, Ann Hanley at Marketing Profs has been watching me every day. And I'm like, that's cool. I know she's hearing my message, you know? And I think that's what's unique about this is 
even though right now while I have maybe 50 people that watch every one of my snaps in a day and I'm following 150 people, so I'm assuming that's mm-hmm. about a third, um, I still think that there's something cool there and I'm in it for the long run now. And I just haven't figured out exactly what more I'm going to do with it from a business perspective. It seems it's mostly personal branding. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there's use cases on using it for business, but it definitely weighs heavier on the personal branding side. And you brought up a great example. It's a perfect storytelling app. At the core, Snapchat is intended for storytellers. And like you, I've done a lot of the same where random thoughts come to my head and all of a sudden I'm creating a one to two minute video and you learn over time how to speak 10 seconds at a time to communicate your thoughts. But there's so much value that people get that for me, what's worthwhile is not only seeing the numbers, the proof in the numbers, but actually having people reach out and say, hey, I saw your story. It was great. Or I want to learn more. Where can I find out more about you? To me, it goes back to my earlier point of this is a network in which people are actually engaged. They're seeing your content. You can measure that visibility and you can have real one-on-one dialogue. Not to say that you can't on the other networks, but as you had mentioned before, there's no newsfeed here. So once you start finding people that you really enjoy following, you will feel compelled to keep coming back and viewing their content. There is no newsfeed. There's no like button. There's no sentiment analysis. All there really is is you're pushing this content out there and then people can respond privately to you if they want to. Um, and, and that's where they can start typing in messages or leaving you videos or whatever. But, you know, the thing that's the hardest about this is the discoverer side of it. it. It's almost, they don't have a discovery engine. So you can't like search for people that snap about X or Y. Um, and so it's hard to find people to follow and it's hard to be found and followed. So I want to spend just a few minutes here talking about how do we get the word out about the fact that we're on Snapchat and how do we find people that are worth following on Snapchat? So talk to me a little bit about that. Absolutely. So the easiest thing that you can do is click on your Snapchat code, which is that looks like a, like a QR code. You see the ghost icon and then it's, it's a yellow square. You can actually tap on that within the app on Snapchat. And then there's going to be a gear icon at the top right-hand corner, which allows you to share your Snapchat code on Twitter, on Facebook. You can also save it to your phone as an image. So my advice for anyone, whether they're just getting started on Snapchat or whether they're, they've been on and they want to try to scale it and grow, is to let as many people know that you are on Snapchat. And cross-pollinating to your other social networks is an easy way to at least let your friends and followers know that, hey, I'm on Snapchat. Come follow me here if you want to see my daily snaps or if you want to see my story. What I did in the beginning was I would download my story, quote unquote, to my phone, and then I would upload it to Facebook where I've got, I don't know how many thousands of friends and followers. And then what I would do is I would say, I am on Snapchat at Mike Stelzner, all one word. And, um, and, and I did that every day for a little while so people could kind of see, and I was sharing a behind the scenes, how we did stuff at social media examiner. People loved it on Facebook and then a small amount would come follow me on Snapchat. So I think what Carlos is saying here is, um, you know, well, first of all, it's by username or it's by your, your little avatar thing that, and he talked about how to get to that. 
but but it, it really is one of those systems that needs you to uh, you need to actually go out there and actively pull people from your other social networks to Snapchat. Now I have found occasionally out of the blue I will all of a sudden have like ten new followers. I don't know where they came from. So I guess maybe do, do people do Snapchat shoutouts or something like that? I think you yeah, did that for me once. There's things like shout outs. So I, I do that quite a bit. When someone like yourself jumps on, they're a friend, you know, I'll typically give them a shout out. People are pretty good about that. And it kind of goes back to that community aspect. Right. Feels very similar to how Facebook was not too long ago. What about, um, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, I'm on Snapchat, but I'm not, I don't know how to find people that are worth following. Like, you know, for someone listening right now that's on Snapchat, doesn't know who to follow. I mean, is there a directory? Is there a place? I mean, like, what are your thoughts? Yes, there's a couple of websites. So, um, you know, I've actually started a website, Snapchat.directory, that you can go to. You can add your name. You can also download other Snapchat users' uh, handles. And then there's also Snapchat.codes. So there's a couple of resources out there. .code or .co? .codes. Oh, codes. Snapchat.codes. C-O-D-E-S? Okay, gotcha. So you can go on there and you can you can find users to follow. I'm going to give you guys another nice little hack. Well, I don't know if it's a hack, but it's a feature that Snapchat has, but it's often overlooked. So if you click on add friends, Facebook, or I'm sorry, Snapchat will crawl your address book on your iPhone. And anyone who has a Snapchat account and has their phone number registered with that account, as long as they're in the directory of your iPhone, it will go ahead and show that those friends of yours that are contacts are on Snapchat. And that's an easy way to find people to add. And for the, and what's cool about this is also those people will get a notification next time they're on Snapchat saying that, that so many people have started following them and then they might follow you back. So that's kind of a, it sounds like that could be a strategy too, which is to follow all your friends. Some of them will follow you back and then you know, the shout outs and all that kind of stuff. It's a slow process. I mean, yes, it's a very slow process to, to, to do it, but, but because it is so intimate because it's, um, really showing a raw unpolished version of your life or what you're thinking, um, you know, you almost want it to be a little intimate. Yeah, absolutely. I've said this before because there is not an easy on button to go ahead and crawl your other social networks, it actually makes you value the friends that you do have on Snapchat. And like I said, for me, it has just been totally game-changing because it's given me an opportunity to get to know individuals like yourself. That we could have been connected on Facebook or on Twitter, but here, like you said, it's very intimate and it's much more personable, I've found. Well, Carlos, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your insights about Snapchat. Uh, tell people where they can find you on Snapchat and anywhere else you want to send them uh, and whatever else you've got going on. Absolutely. So uh, you can find me on Snapchat at the Carlos Gill, and that's Gill, G-I-L with one L. I'm also on Twitter at CarlosGill83. And I also have a website, Snapchat.tips, which has uh, videos from my YouTube account, CarlosGill.tv, and uh, different tutorials. So I definitely encourage you to check it out. If I could be a resource to anyone listening to this podcast, feel free to reach out. And again, uh, your Snapchat ID was the, T-H-E, Carlos, G-I-L, one L, right? Correct. Carlos Gill, the Carlos Gill. And you can find me on Snapchat at Mike Stelsner. Uh, I just throw that out there. (laughs) Carlos, thank you so much for coming on the show. And on behalf of a lot of 
new Snapchat listeners that are going to be jumping on as a result of this podcast. I just want to say thank you. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Well, I hope you are beginning to see the value of Snapchat. It is definitely something that is growing, and I really do feel like this is going to be a big deal for us marketers in the future. If there's anything that I mentioned in today's episode and you missed it, well, don't worry. We take all the notes for you at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 184. Also, if you're new to the podcast, hit that subscribe button. You don't want to miss any future episodes of this show. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.